Folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 24th. It is Christmas Eve, but that ain't going to stop two grown men without children from getting in a Fiesta Bowl preview here on the podcast. I'm Ben. I'm joined today by Cody. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, it's Christmas. Well, it's Christmas Eve. I'm ready for Saturday to be here. I feel like a kid waiting for that game on Saturday, that anxiety and but uh, excitement. You feeling that a little? Yeah, well, you know, it's all kind of crept up on me, you know, with Thanksgiving being so late in November this year, we seem like and we did get a kind of one less week between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that really kind of screws up your Christmas schedule. And then next thing you know, you turn around and here we are playing this game. Usually we have about an extra week in between. So I can't decide if I like that it's come up this fast or if I kind of needed a, another week to just kind of keep taking a break from uh, the college football season. No, I think it makes sense. I like it from like a fan standpoint. I feel like it's the optimal amount of time. I feel like the four-week break was just too much. And from a coaching standpoint, I feel like it's how much time do you really need for for the at some at some point three weeks is is probably sufficient. And then you get the extra, you know, what is it, maybe five days for the national championship game. So if Clemson were to win that, I think it's that's good for Venables to have that extra time to scheme for likely Joe Burrow or uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and likewise, I guess now instead of about 10 days, we have two weeks between the semifinal game and the college football playoff, or the championship, sorry. So maybe that helps a little bit too, but but that being said, it goes for both sides, right? You're both getting um, the benefit of that that time balance. And I always like, I like giving Venables that time. He's, He's the most dangerous. Uh, well, that's very true. I mean, we're we're staring down the possibility of facing two very different teams um, offensively between what Ohio State brings and then really kind of either um, LSU or Oklahoma. I can see a benefit of having that extra two weeks. I kind of agree with you that do you really need more than three weeks? Probably not. But uh, I think it also probably helps uh, take away a bit of the distraction of Jeff Scott taking the job at University of South Florida. We haven't talked about that, the effect of Jeff Scott leaving, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a valid point, or it's valid to bring up. I would say, and I'm not diminishing Jeff Scott at all, it seems like he's more of a, I don't want to say it, he's more of a facilitator. He's a guy that he works as like a, an assistant head coach, uh, but not as traditional coordinator oriented. I'm, what I'm basically saying is I think Tony Elliott's probably carrying the majority of the play call and load and, and, right. and preparation. So I think it hurts, but I think it's more down the road when we'll fill it. I don't think it – if we lose this this game, it's not going to be, I don't believe, because of Jeff Scott's departure. Yeah, you don't see the uh, uh, Lane Kiffin type of um, effect a la Alabama a couple of years ago. Right. 
Uh, so very well. Uh, congratulations to Jeff Scott, by the way. That's a really awesome opportunity for him. He's starting to build his coaching staff, filling them with former Clemson players. That's cool to see. So I think um, South Florida has gained a handful of new fans with that hire. I think he's going to be pretty successful down there. I'm really interested in following him. Yeah, yeah, tough job, but uh, you know it's it's the kind of program that that fits him well. He'll have a chance to build it. He's got the ties there. It will be it will be fun. It's kind of like watching players go off to the NFL. You'll be you'll be kind of rooting for Jeff Scott and you know rooting for for his program down there in Florida. All right, so let's get into our preview of the uh, Fiesta Bowl here against Ohio State coming up. It will be Clemson and Ohio State's fourth meeting. Clemson is 3-0 and all time, including two dominant wins under Dabo. And then also way back in the, what, 1980, uh, we played them when uh, their coach punched one of our guys. So uh, we haven't played them all that much, but Clemson does have an undefeated record against them. Is this starting to feel like somewhat of a rivalry, uh, us and Ohio State, at least as far as the playoffs are concerned? You know, I, I haven't even considered that. Uh, you know, Alabama comes to mind in, in Oklahoma before them where we're getting uh, some almost annual matchups. But, yeah, this is the third time. And did you say, like, is it five or six years? I think six years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say if this one turns out to be a classic, uh, it has a chance. And, 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 you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but a lot of talent on that Ohio State roster. Justin Fields is just a sophomore. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is coming back. So I think these two teams – Next year will be well positioned as a you know top four contender. So if if they make this one on on the field classic like it looks like it could be, uh, then yeah, I think it, maybe the rivalry has has begun. Yeah, and you look over the past several years, the consistency of teams being in the playoff. There's Alabama, there's Clemson, and you'd have to throw Ohio State in there as well. I think so. Yeah, they're they're third there on the pecking order. Uh, so that being said, Ohio State did not make the playoffs last year. Clemson was in it. Clemson has been in for now the, what, fifth season in a row. Um, everyone on Clemson's roster has playoff experience except for true freshmen. Uh, so that is something that Clemson has over all of the other college football playoff teams. Just kind of high level here. What effect do you think the experience that Clemson has will have on this game? I don't think it's as much on the field as people think think it will be of course that matters I think you know maybe your nerves and all that stuff especially from Trevor Lawrence and in that quarterback position maybe that's an edge that Clemson has that's built in just due to the experience factor the bigger edge I believe comes in the the preparation and going and traveling and they they made a lot of uh, I believe the Tiger Illustrated guys made mention of a lot of these Ohio State guys Justin Fields uh, Chase Young go to the go to New York for the Heisman a lot of like celebration, a lot of fun, some some partying. I'm sure uh, J.K. Dobbins, I believe, went to the the running back award uh, award show. So like that that's that that can potentially pose a lot of distractions. And where Clemson has the edge and the experience really factors in is in the lead up and the preparation. And and Dabo has everything down to a T, like day for day, hour by hour. They know what's going to happen. Yeah, after that big Orange Bowl loss to West Virginia, things really changed. Uh, that was a big part of the problem back then was, you know, Clemson just hadn't been there before, but now they have been there for so many years. I do have to think that matters, you know, dealing with the media, the regimen, the schedule. And you bring up a good point about uh, Fields and Young being at the Heisman ceremony and Dobbins being at the, the other awards ceremony. Clemson really didn't have any guys going to these awards ceremonies. So that's another level of distraction kind of taken away from the team and really adds more fuel to the fire for them. 
Exactly. Just imagine what what they could what could potentially be a, a deterrent for them uh, is something that you know Etienne and, and Trevor Lawrence is sitting there licking their chops, uh, thinking we we got uh, undermined and, and disrespected by not going to these award shows. So they're looking to, to channel that all into one game, one big uh, middle finger game to the guys that did get to go to those events. Yeah, and there's nobody better than Davo for taking advantage of that. I think so. I don't know who said it, but yeah, it's it's a very disrespect is a very powerful motivating force for, especially for men, but for humans, uh, definitely. Like it, it will get you motivated, and you'll you'll watch extra film. You'll you'll keep focused, uh, and and I ultimately I think that's what come what it comes down to. The difference between fifteen and sixteen was the preparation, and and Ben Bulware said as much uh, publicly after he graduated. Like a lot of people quit caring. Maybe they were a little bit injured. They started looking at the NFL draft. I think there's like this, this level you get to, and it has to do with the preparation, watching extra film, and then uh, and, and taking to the coaching that, that's provided. Yeah, so experience or playoff experience level aside, this is obviously going to be the best and the most talented team that Clemson has faced all year. As you will say that, likewise for Ohio State. Um, you know, this team is no joke. We have had them ranked one and two ourselves here on the show pretty much all year long. Um, giving them credit where credit is due. Now, we take a look at their schedule. We all know that Clemson gets knocks for being in the ACC. I think we would also say that the Big Ten was not particularly strong this year with Ohio State really being only the only elite team. They do have good wins over Penn State, two over Wisconsin, and one over Michigan. But, you know, you take a look at that, and on paper that looks good, but by the eye test, does it really look that great? It's better than Clemson's. Uh, a schedule in the ACC, but I really don't think by that much. Uh, it's it's tough to say, and it's uh, I you know I kind of go back and forth on how good these Big Ten teams are, and what is the value of beating you know the number ten team? We'll, we'll call them Penn State or call them Michigan. Uh, they're interchangeable, uh, really, from what I can see. So, what's the value of beating one of those teams? And and they beat they beat uh, both of those teams pretty handily. I mean, Penn State there was some turnover trouble, but. I mean, I, I think it's I think this is the best Ohio State team. All that aside, I think it's the best Ohio State team. And it's it you look at the recruiting ratings from the last three or four years, those those numbers bear out. Like it, the eye test in terms of talent, what you see, the speed on the field, the the uh, physical presence along the line of scrimmages, it surpasses what we saw in sixteen. And to me, it, it there, there's not a talent gap this year. Clemson and as as talented as they are, I think I think it's it's neck and neck in terms of on field talent. Yeah, listen, they, to make the same argument we make about Clemson, they did what they had to do this year. They blew out almost every team they played, including blowouts over then-ranked Michigan State team. Uh, their first matchup against Wisconsin, they won by 31 points. They doubled up Michigan, more than doubled up Michigan, 56-27. And then, again, against Wisconsin, 34-21, close game. Penn State game, they won by 11. Didn't look particularly great in that game, but still did what they had to do. They won that game. So I'll give them credit uh, just as much as I want people to give Clemson credit for um, dominating teams like they should. But one difference I'll note is I'll look to this last game against Wisconsin where they had a terrible first half. Now, they didn't get up any points in the second half to Wisconsin and, and beat them, ended up beating them by 13 points. But let me ask you this. If Wisconsin and Virginia were to play each other in, the bowl, in a bowl game and – who knows? They may honestly don't know who else is playing what other bowl games. I don't care. Um, but if they were to play in a bowl game right now, how close do you think that game would be and who would win? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And that's the way I kind of think of these things, like how much better is Wisconsin than Virginia? And just because you're 10 rankings apart or even 15 rankings apart in the AP or the playoff uh, committee's rankings, doesn't mean that's that there's not that big of a difference. So, I, I mean, what would the spread be? I have to think it would be three, maybe maybe seven of Wisconsin being favored. That's, again, not a big distance. There's a much digger, bigger dis- distance between, obviously, Clemson and Virginia or Clemson and Wisconsin, as indicated by the score. Um, when they played them. So, yeah, I, I, you know, you're, you're right to like question, you know, some of those big 10 and the value. And it's, it's what, I, what I've been thinking about all year, the value of those quote unquote, you know, great wins by elite teams. And, and you know, that aside though, I don't want to like th- throw too much shade to Ohio State. As great as Clemson was outside of the North Carolina game, I think Ohio State had the exact same on-field performance in terms of just taking care of business against some of the lower level competition. Just down to down, completely destroying the competition. Great coaching, great scheme. Like I think they outdid Clemson this season, and that's taken away those you know top ten, top fifteen victories. Right. Again, but that being said, I will point out that championship game. Granted, that was Wisconsin's second shot at them, but on a neutral field, Ohio State plays them a much closer. Whereas Clemson facing at that point their toughest game of the year, and you know not against a. Um, a, a nobody, right? Virginia was a was a decent team this year. Goes on and blows them out, sixty two to seventeen. There was some a little bit of struggle there on defense at times, but they handled them probably uh, more so than we thought they would going into that game. So I'll I'll leave that out there as uh, something to to kind of make a comparison to. That being said, you know there were fumbles um, in the Wisconsin game, and that's something that Ohio State has had trouble with this year. Um, so that can be something that levels the playing field, but I don't know, something interesting to look at, uh, at how teams are playing lately. And you saw it reflected in Ohio State dropping down to second, and you could have made the argument that they actually dropped a third and flipped spots with Clemson. Yeah, in terms of just yeah, raw, like who you think's best, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to have them at three, but uh, you know, they earned their number two, even if they would have had number uh, had the number one ranking, they would have deserved it. One thing you kind of you mentioned the their failures against Wisconsin and the, and the, in the big 10 championship. And it was pretty clear to me. And unfortunately I couldn't go back and watch the film. Uh, like I you normally do that on YouTube because uh, most ESPN is you're able to put that on YouTube. I guess you can't do that with Fox, but uh, from what I remember watching in real time, it, fields looked really limited because of that, that MCL strain. And he could barely move and they really were attacking him. So he just, it just came out today that he's at 80 or 85% heading into Saturday for one. I don't, I don't know if you have any the feedback. Like why, why would you, I don't know why the, the benefit of reporting that unless he's just self handicapping himself in case he does, gets outplayed. But that's uh, my question. Yeah. Right. Like, but, uh, but what do you think he was in the Wisconsin game? I have to think he was probably close to like 50 or 60% in that game. That was one week from the injury. So, I do take that into account. Ultimately, they still came out and beat Wisconsin by two touchdowns. So, yeah, and you saw kind of the effect it had on Tua um, coming back from his injury. Little Rusty did not play well uh, there at the beginning of the LSU game. So, same could be said for Fields here in the Wisconsin game. Um, and so, I, I tend to agree on that point. Although I do, I question you. I question the same thing you question as well. When I saw that come out, what is the benefit of putting? that out there either like you said you're handicapping yourself or you know maybe it makes for a good story if you go on to win and saying oh you only played 80 85 percent but you know you remember when uh Deshaun Watson went out there and played on one leg with a torn ACL against South Carolina I I don't think it came out until after that game that his ACL was torn like Clemson I don't think divulged that information prior 
I, I think that's correct. And he still played really well. Right. And so why would you come out and say that your quarterback is 85% healthy? Um, that just, you know, you don't want to <laughs> expose, intentionally expose those weaknesses, I don't think. Yeah. And I, I don't think they're playing chess here. And, and like, you know, if I'm Venables, like I do have to take that into account a little bit. I'm not going to reconstruct my game plan based off of his 80, 85% uh, self-assessment, but I might be a little bit more aggressive. I'm, I might, I might watch him in the first few series to see if he, if he's less likely to run. And then I know something, you know, like, yeah, I guess what he said is true. And then I'm going to attack. So yeah, if anything, if he's being truthful, then that's probably you're you're showing your hand a little bit to the you know the ultimate chess player, Brent Venables. Yeah, but I agree with you though. You have to game plan like he's going to be a hundred percent. Right. And so on that note, let's uh, stick with Ohio State's offense. Okay, so Clemson will be the best defense that Ohio State has seen all year. Um, on the flip side of that, this will be the best offense Clemson has seen all year. So it's going to make for a pretty interesting matchup. I think so. I mean, it, 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 everyone says, like you hear these, the narratives about Clemson hasn't played anyone, and then Ohio State hasn't played anyone the caliber of Clemson. It's like, yeah, you throw everything out the window in terms of what you saw as you're using Virginia as your comp or UNC. I don't know what – throw all that out the window. It doesn't really matter because no, neither team has been punched in the mouth the way they're bound to be punched in the mouth. And that's, that, in, that includes Clemson. They're going to get – this is a darn good offense, and we'll start with just the offense. Um, I don't know where it ranks. I, I'd say maybe it's, it's, it's in the Oklahoma 15 level. Um, it's probably not as good as Bama's offense from last year, but close. Like, it's, it's up there. It's one of the best we faced. It's uh, the number one scoring offense this year and the number four in the S&P. So as far as this year is concerned, they're, they're high up there, as is Clemson. On uh, in multiple categories, so I mean, it's it's easy to say it's obvious that this could be the best offense we've seen all the, this year. So, I would expect to maybe have to take a punch in this game, very similar to the way they they kind of did. They took a half punch uh, against Virginia, I would say. I think so, and uh, you know, I, I think a little bit of the, at least from their offense, was was some scheme stuff that Bronco Mendenhall put together. Ultimately, we got that under under wraps. If there is area concern, though, it was it was. Um, Virginia's court, Virginia quarterback's uh, ability to to get down the field because like Justin Fields will have that ability and they'll they'll certainly game plan that in to allow him to get some open field yardage and uh, you got to make those open field tackles. If anything, our linebackers sometimes in pursuit, getting getting up too far afield or just taking bad angles like that's something that does worry me a little bit. Yeah, and so this Ohio State offense they do rush the ball sixty three percent of the time. Clemson's going to counter that with a top ten rushing defense, um, and it's more than just J.K. Dobbins. You know, Justin Fields, as we mentioned, uh, his running ability ten rushing touchdowns on the year. If he is injured, we'll see uh, to what effect that has. I can see that actually um, being a pretty big disability to their offense because you know what Venables can do when he makes an offense one dimensional. Uh, they run a lot of zone read, um, so his legs are going to be important in this game. No, absolutely. Just the fear. It's kind of like what Watson would bring. He wasn't ever a every down runner in the same way that JT Barrett or Kelly Bryant was, but it, just the fear of him running made our running game function properly. And that's the same way that they that they work uh, with Fields and, and J.K. Dobbins. So, yeah. And, and, you know, like you talked about Venable scheme enough for him. You know, if I look along their offense, maybe even their whole team, Justin Fields can be one of the, the he can be the X factor because he's that good. But if there's if there is a, a potential 
question mark. It's his ability to process things downfield and, and potentially make poor plays or wait too long in the pocket. So it, yeah, if, if you combat, combine that with uh, you know poor health, then I think that's something that you have to circle, Justin Fields. Yeah, and his passing ability would really be exposed if Clemson is able to bottle up the run game, but that's going to be extremely difficult to do in this one. You know, J.K. Dobbins himself, over 1,800 yards this year and 20 rushing touchdowns. He's had over 30 carries in the last three games, and Ohio State is 18-0 when Dobbins rushes for over 100 yards. Do you see a world in which Clemson holds him to an 100, under 100 yards this game? Yeah, that's a tricky one because it'll, it'll be all about how we how we prepare to scheme, how aggressive we are with the A-gap, B-gap, B-gap blitzes. I think we'll try to hold him uh, under 100. Um, I don't know that we'll be successful. I think that'll. I think ultimately we'll de- we'll de- dedicate more bodies into the box, put our, our corners on islands, and take some risks there with making Fields beat us. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like I don't, you got to make Fields beat you in this game with the pass. You don't want you don't want them to bleed you out with the run. So I think we'll be committed to stop J.K. I just think he's that good, and this offensive line is that improved. Um, let me ask you one thing that you were concerned about probably six weeks ago, and I can't help but having that same concern if Clemson's it's Clemson's biggest weakness on the team and it just hasn't presented itself yet probably because of the competition and to me that's the defensive lines there's no war daddies Dexter Lawrence isn't walking in that room uh Christian Wilkins is gone I I feel like some teams could potentially impose their will along the line of scrimmage what do you think you you still feel that have that same concern um, well, I think a, kind of the lack of numbers you've seen across the defensive line this year is due to the move to the 3-4. Um, you know, a guy like Tyler Davis isn't is in there necessarily to, to get past the line, rush the quarterback, get the quarterback down. He's there to take up two guys, right, and uh, cause traffic uh, up the middle and then allow the linebackers to come up or uh, a safety, Tanner Muse, uh, coming up from the secondary to assist in the run defense. And I think that's what you've seen all year. So, Uh, You know, these guys across the defensive line have continued to get better all year. Um, The interior run game is one concern. I'm actually less concerned about that. When I look to the outside, um, the edge protection is going to need to be disciplined in this game with with Justin Fields' legs. So, you know, look to a guy like Xavier Thomas, much hype coming into this year. We thought he would really take off in his sophomore year. Um, He's been slowed a little bit. You know, the, the coaches were challenging him coming out of camp and saying that he necessarily or didn't necessarily have the starting job. Um, then he had that concussion and, you know, wasn't himself for a while. He says he's back now, uh, back to his old self and good to go. But, uh, you know, will he show up? That's my big question. If he does, you know, this could be another kind of breakout performance game uh, type for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It doesn't – I don't feel like there's a a scenario where you, you, Clemson wins a championship and there's not at least, uh, you know, a couple big plays made by defensive linemen. Like, that's how we've won our two championships really, you know, outside of Deshaun Watson. Like it's through great defensive line play and controlling the line of scrimmage, dominating some opposing offenses. So I think you do have to think of XT as the guy that could, that could be the difference maker, but you're right. When you kind of, you mentioned the three, four move into that, like the the purpose of a three, four, a lot of times is to eat up blocks so your linebackers can make plays in space. And, you know, that has, to me, that's been a, um, it's been a, it's helped uh, XT back from having some more single teams and, and have, having one-on-one situations. But he, I think he can still – he has the talent, and, and so does Tyler Davis to, to make some big plays. Um, ultimately, though, it, you, you, got, you have an elite running back plus a quarterback that's, that's a really good um, runner as well. So it's going to be really tricky. 
Yeah, and I think really more so than anything that we might be overlooking here is the resources that Venables does have to um, uh, reserve for stopping uh, Ohio State in the running game. It's going to take away from their protection on the back end. So you mentioned the cornerbacks. They're going to have to be out there on islands, and I think this is a game where Darian Kendrick could really get tested. Um, same thing with, with Tanner Muse back there at the safety position, Kevon Wallace. So those guys are going to have to hold their own back there, at least in the early going until Clemson proves they can stop this run game. Right. And, and if you saw it against Virginia and you, you've seen it in last year's championship game, Tanner Muse is a little bit of a liability against a great team that can, that can get him out into space. And, you know, he's, he's had a great, great year. And I think he can still be, you know, like a linebacker from the safety position, he can still come down and make pro plays and he's always in position. You don't see bust. It's just a matter of foot speed and, and coverage ability. So you look for that, if, if, especially if they were to, um, Clemson were to go on and play LSU. He's going to have some matchups. But I expect our, our secondary to lose a couple of matchups. I, I mean, I expect them to get beat a couple of times. They're not used to it. It's going to hurt their pride a little bit. But to me, it's got, it's got to happen. You have to make that trade off to dedicate more bodies uh, to the middle. Yeah, it's really how you bounce back from those. Right. Um, so really looking to them, looking specifically for, for Ohio State to take advantage of our safeties in space, I think that's one key to the game. You know, Tanner Muse, we, we mentioned his bus. He can tend to be over-aggressive at some times, but I think that's how they want him programmed, especially with all he brings to stopping the run and getting into the backfield um, after the quarterback. So that's just kind of his mindset and kind of where they want, uh, where they want him to be. So you kind of take the bus, right, every once no. in a while. I know. I, I totally agree. And, and the other part is when you're sending seven guys and, and you leave, you know, uh, what would that be? Six into coverage. Like you're going to, they're just, it's going to happen. There's going to be, I wouldn't call that a bust, but you're just, you're going to lose some matchups, but that's the, that's the trade-off. And you have to do that. You have to send the pressure. I don't think, you know, if we go to some four, three fronts, like I hope X, XT and Tyler Davis can get in there and, and wreak havoc, but all year, you, you know, you relied on sending extra bodies for that pressure and you got to do that. You got to, you got to put the, you got to get Justin Fields' internal clock running, and um, and yeah, you're right. The trade-off will be probably some downfield passing uh, that that we're just not used to. Yeah. So one key is stopping the run. The second key, as you're alluding to, getting pressure around Justin Fields. Um, he's got good passing numbers this year: 40 passing touchdowns, only one interception. That's a phenomenal snap line. But when you talk about the eye test. And you mentioned uh, how he can tend to get a little frazzled when he has to start looking to his checkdowns. You know, this is his kid's first year starting in college football. Um, he's looked amazing. He has not played particularly great Big Ten defenses. So I think if Clemson can, t can tend to get pressure on fields more often than not, that, that can really shake him up in the passing game. He does have a tendency to underthrow the ball at times and is not the greatest, most accurate passer in the world. Right. He's not. I mean... I always compared him to Kelly Bryant, like a kind of a rich man's Kelly Bryant. He he does have the arm strength, but I would he's not throwing you know he's not throwing laser darts and uh, no and I think yeah he I wouldn't call him a one read quarterback either, but I do think the, some of the play calling and, and the benefit of playing in the Big Ten that no one talks about is you know their their secondaries aren't you know you're not going to see the SEC speed there, so like you do see guys running wide open and. He's been, I mean, to his credit, I'm, I, he blew me away at how good of a, a passer he was. Now, I know I realized, you know, with the competition um, that the, the margin for error, the degree of difficulty was much lower than it will be against Clemson. But um, I, I think, you know, I, I think ultimately, yeah, you got you to get in there, pressure him. And that is, 
That's the one, it's the one area of all the, the stars that you can look at who can be game changers, including guys like Chase Young on the other side and obviously Isaiah Simmons on our defense. If, if we're going to beat them, it's got to be through Justin Fields. Yeah, and their offensive line, you know, they're solid. They've been solid this year, but they have given up some sacks. So the opportunity is there. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. And if, if he is at 80 or 85%, like that actually – that gives me, I, I, you know, we'll go to our predictions, but that gives me a little bit more confidence. We'll see if that's true. Yeah, and their wide receivers don't really strike fear into your heart. They have NFL talent there, guys like uh, Chris Olave and KJ Hill, but not uh, kind of an LSU type or Alabama from last year. No, yeah, you mentioned Olave, but yeah, no other guys really stand out to me and, and can pose the same threat. And Olave, it seems to be a least from what I've seen. And again, I, I wanted to go back and watch a few, few games, but I wasn't able to do that. But I just remember him as more of the Deion Kane, you know, fade route specialist. Um, so I'm sure he's, he's a little bit more, uh, he's a little bit more well-rounded than that. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly Alabama stable of receivers. That's for sure. So an interesting matchup um, for certain coming up this Saturday, uh, you know, this defense, has clearly overperformed based on what we thought we would be seeing from them coming into the year with the loss of the five defensive linemen to the NFL um, from last year. Uh, They've overcome and exceeded our expectations, but this is the first real test. You know, they've they've done what they had to do all year. They've been a great defense, Um, but, you know, they're going to get that test on Saturday night. It's going to be interesting to see how that uh, number one ranked scoring defense, uh, number three in the SEP, holds up. Yep. And, and, you know, go back to Alabama, uh, the, the championship game from last season. Look, they held, they scored 17 points, but really the way they were moving the ball uh, and moving in big chunks, like they probably should have scored 30 points. There was some good luck that got factored in, uh, especially with great red zone uh, play. I expect Ohio State to move the ball and, and to get some chunks. But, but like last year against Bama, I expect a Trayvon Mullen to make a back a backside blitz. You know, in this case, maybe it's AJ Terrell to make plays and and take them out of um, and, and put them behind the change, cause a turnover. I expect those plays. I think if Clemson doesn't get those type of plays, it's hard to see they're going to control a lot of clock and and potentially bleed Clemson out. So I, I think that's that's Clemson's key to success is creating the turnovers. Um, but yeah, chunk yards I think are going to happen. Yeah, turnovers and um, uh, and sacks, right? Some big losses, uh, tackles for losses, I think. Uh, definitely key to this Clemson defense finding some success in their game. I totally agree with you that I think their offense is going to move the ball. But, um, you know, Clemson has the guys to do it. They do. All right, let's talk about the Buckeyes defense. All right, Ohio State coming into this game. They are the third-ranked scoring defense, the number one S&P defense, much improved over last year. Um, Barely anybody could score on them early on there in the season. Um, They started giving up some points at the end as the season went on. All in all, just like Ohio State's offense is going to be the best Clemson has seen all year, this defense is likewise going to be the best they've seen all year. I think so. And I've heard the comparisons to 2016 Alabama. I think that's a little bit... I think, I think that might be a little too much, but it is a very good defense, very sound. And, you know, go back to the, the 16 matchup, 2016 Fiesta Bowl. It wasn't Ohio State's defense that cost them that game. Like th- their defense was pretty solid and, and gave, gave Deshaun Watson a little bit of trouble. It was, uh, it was their offense that was the, the, 
the culprit and the one that couldn't that was completely incompetent. So this is uh, of all the high state defenses, uh, this is the best one. This is the most well-rounded, that's for sure. They're a second in nation in total defense, giving up less than 100 yards a game on the ground. Um, statistically, they're the best pass rush team in the nation. They haven't played particularly exceptional offenses in the Big Ten. Um, not very dynamic offenses, that's for sure. But, you know, much like we say about Clemson's defense, we can't – if we're going to defend Clemson's statistics against weaker competition, we also have to accept Ohio State's. Yeah, fair enough. And like, you know, by S&P rankings, Wisconsin is the best offense and number 11 that they faced. And like keyword there was well-rounded. Like you can't use that. Like they, they played really well against Wisconsin's 11th ranked offense, but Clemson's is just a different animal, um, pre- presents a completely different sort of cha- uh, set of challenges. So, uh, you, I mean, then you could look at Penn State as maybe a comparable offense or Michigan, and they're down in like the high teens, early 20s uh, in terms of S&P rate, ratings. So like, I mean, I, what I remember from the season was, uh, well, for one, Penn State's often uh, quarterback was hurt during the, the Ohio State game. But Michigan, even though they they got blown out ultimately by Ohio State, they had a lot of success moving the ball, passing uh, over the middle. A lot of a lot of grass was available, and they had to make those short passes um, because of Chase Young and his ability as a pass rusher. So, uh, if I'm if I'm looking at a comp, I, you know, I would look to Michigan, and I see a lot of things there that Clemson could potentially parlay into uh, some success. Yeah, and you know Ohio State has a great secondary, a lot of NFL talent there. So I tend to think that they're going to trust those guys and put them in man coverage um, and then focus a lot of their attention to stopping ETN in the run game. I think so. I mean, I think they have a similar strategy too. They have to, they have to stop the run game. Uh, they have a, we have a great running back too. That's going to be quite the matchup. There's so many built-in like, m- you know, matchups within the game. You know, guys aren't playing against one another, but the running backs is one, obviously the quarterbacks. I think they have to commit to that and then and let T Higgins and let Trevor Lawrence beat you with his arm. Maybe Chase Young, if they're, if we're, if um, maybe Chase Young can get after Trevor Lawrence create and then create the similar pressure that we're hoping to do against Justin Fields. And then Jeff Oduka, is that, am I pronouncing that right? Sure. Yeah, probably wrong. He is an all American top, you know, what top 10 draft pick at cornerback. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't faced T. Higgins yet. We'll say that. And, and then there's Justin Ross opposite T. So I, I, I feel that's a, any matchup I'm, I'm most bullish about our wide receivers. Yeah, I tend to not care that they have um, NFL talent in the secondary because I think ultimately at the end of the day that um, uh, elite wide receivers will beat elite um, uh, cornerbacks and safeties. And I, I would give Clemson the check mark in that department. And I think we know from watching then is that T. Higgins is playing out of his mind right now on another level. Um, and we totally trust him. You saw what Justin Ross did in the playoffs last year. And then there's going to be some new wrinkles thrown in there. Remember, we still have Amari Rodgers. And, and Brayden Galloway. Maybe we're overblowing that part. But I, I think there's got to be something for him, even if it's a couple of gimmick plays. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you, a, yeah. it's interesting. He wasn't even on the depth chart. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. It'll be interesting to see how much he will be used considering he's not on the depth chart. Yeah, and maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he doesn't even – maybe there's the, the game. What we've heard from Coach Sweeney is there's something to be said for having, having, have, having not played all year, so just throwing him out rusty. So maybe, maybe it's, it's just something we dream in, we're dreaming up in our, in our heads. But, uh, but yeah, so T. Higgins, you're right. There's something about college, great college wide receivers, especially when they're 6'4 and they're like Randy Moss ish so I, I i do i think that's ultimately good offense beats good defense and that's especially true in, in college 
Yeah, I mean, you saw what Mike Williams did in the 2016 National Championship game, right? He just took over. Exactly. And yeah, there's not, there's not a Minka Fitzpatrick out there. It doesn't matter in, in college. A guy like Mike Williams or T. Higgins, they're going to eat. Yeah, so I think we feel really good about um, Trevor Lawrence and being able to um, stand up against Ohio State's great secondary with the talent that we have at wide receiver and obviously his ability to pass the ball. Uh, but the key is here is whether or not Ohio State is going to be able to get uh, pressure on Trevor Lawrence. You know, Trevor's been sacked only 12 times this year. That's a combination of the good line play and his ability to escape the pocket. Um, but, you know, we may see a team. Virginia got a little bit of pressure uh, on Trevor Lawrence in that game. So I think we're really about to see how good our offensive line is. I think so. And, and Chase Young is the exception there because he'll make a good offensive lineman look silly. So, I mean, there's got to be extra pressure to, or extra blockers, I think, devoted to him. And I think you got to, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't, I don't know if he's quite at clowny level, but he's up there. And I think you got to scheme for him a little bit. And part of that is some of the short passes. Um, and likely, I, I think, some more, more check down situations to Etienne. Um, this will be this game. I think will really test Lawrence, and he's come a long way in terms of being patient and taking what's available to him. But this will be the ultimate. You got to be. You got to make the right decision, and there's probably gonna, only going to be one right decision he can make. So it'll be it'll be a big test of his 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 mental chops and his processing, how much he's developed. Yeah, we're going to see how far he's come along from even the beginning of the season. We all got spoiled with what we saw last year in the playoffs. But uh, new year, new team, different story. I think so. We'll see. You know, he was he was lights out towards the end of the year. So hopefully that three week break uh, hasn't halted his momentum. Um, yeah. So Chase Young, you mentioned him, sixteen and a half sacks on the year. He got invited uh, invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He is a phenomenal defensive end. Do you think that they will? I mean, generally you see him move around. I think to to lining up on the weak side. Is that correct? Yeah, I've seen him mostly play on the weak side, so that that means it could be uh, it could be Ankrum or Carmen right. that he's matched up against. Probably more Ankrum would be my guess. And so I think that's, that's the matchup they want. No, right. And fortunately, Ankrum, a really good senior right tackle, um, but Jackson Carmen over there at left, left tackle is the best offensive lineman that Clemson has as the highest upside, and you know you can see really good you know, college tackles get beat by kind of like how give the wide receivers the advantage um, um, over the secondary on offense, on defense, I would give their defensive ends or an elite defensive end uh, the advantage over a really good tackle. Agreed, especially, especially Chase Young. He is, uh, I think Todd McShay was comparing him to the Bosa brothers. Uh, if you don't know, Nick Bosa has had just has been incredible uh, for the Niners this season, and he says he's he's better than than Nick Bosa. So uh, it's scary. He is he's really he's really darn good, and uh, I, I I think Jackson Carmen would have a little bit more success just because he's a bigger body and uh, more more human to go around. But uh, you just you absolutely have to scheme for it. Well, fortunately, these guys practice against really uh, good defensive ends in their own right. I don't think any to the level of Chase Young, but um, obviously the big, big um, uh, 
point to look at in this game is how well he plays and how good or how good Clemson is at defending him. I think if they, I think if they are able to, to bottle up the run a bit, that long as uh, in the passing game, they, they're not able to get too much pressure on Trevor, that we can still find success. You know, there's more than one way to use ETN um, out of the backfield, um, screen passes, wheel routes, and stuff like that. Um, so you can still get the ball in his hands. And I would expect him, you know, every once in a while, even if for the most part he's not getting chunk yardage, to still break one or two off. Yeah, I think Clemson will need that. I think ultimately will, will, with more emphasis being probably focused on stopping our run game, can Etienne make a couple of big plays? That'll that'll be huge. But there will be a lot of a lot of plays stopped at the line of scrimmage. I, I imagine. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be a little a little chess match early on to see how uh, the the coordinators are what they're going to do and what the, what matchups they like. Yeah, so very interesting matchups on both sides of the ball for, for both of these teams. Um, they each bring something to the table that the 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 um, the opposite has not seen this year, and you know the statistics bear out um, for both offense and defense for both of these teams. Um, I think that it was very similar with Clemson Alabama last year. So was that an anomaly? Was that where there was just some great plays and some bad luck um, in that game, or should um, we expect Clemson to come out with another dominant performance uh, in this year's game. You know, it's been pretty smooth sailing through the semifinals the past few years. Um, but this year, it feels a little bit different. It does. And, and again, 31 nothing means nothing. 31-0 means nothing. And uh, this is a different Ohio State team. And this, this year has been – has three worthy national championship contenders and – Clemson got uh, the unfortunate fate of drawing one of them in the semifinal, and uh, you know I, th- I don't I don't see this as a blowout. I can't see that scenario. Um, I mean, what what do you think? Um, no, I, I don't see it being a blowout. I think if there is a blowout, it's going to be Clemson blowing out Ohio State. I don't see in a world, and uh, unless we're completely wrong about how good this Clemson team is. Um, and I compare them to last year's team. You know, there are a lot of the same guys. Yes, on defense, take a step back on the line. Um, we're better in the secondary. and offense, we're just a better total overall unit. So I don't think Ohio State is going to be able to stop Clemson um, on offense. The question is, can Clemson's defense stop Ohio State? Right. We haven't, you know, we haven't seen a playoff uh, game or an end-of-year game where the defense is – it's just getting gashed. Um, I mean, you could maybe say the 2015 championship game, but that was, you know, due to bust. It wasn't a, you know, a, something dominant, like something we just couldn't stop. Uh, you just haven't seen that. And, you know, really since Venable, Venable started, you know, you could maybe, you know, go back to thir- 2013 against Florida State. But, uh, you know, since, since 2014, when we had the best team in the, in, the, in the best defense in the country, you haven't seen a team just go head to head with uh, Clemson and their offense just bleed us out or, or, or dominate us thoroughly. And I, it'll be interesting that, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't foresee that happening, but uh, this is the offense. Maybe that could do it. And, and, you know, the, with our limitations along the defensive line, I'm, I'll be watching that. That's all I can say. So if this game does come down to being a shootout and it's close um, at the end, let's look to an area where Ohio State does have a decided advantage against Clemson, and that's on special teams. Okay, two clear advantages for Ohio State, one more easily overcome than the other. I'll start with their place kicker, Blake Hobbiel. Um, Definitely not pronouncing that right. 
He has hit all of his extra points this year, like in the 80s, almost 90, something like that, and 10 to 12 on field goals with a long of 55. Um, big leg. He's an accurate kicker. I think if you're Ohio State, you have to like your odds if it comes down to a field goal at the end of the game versus Clemson and their thoughts about BT Potter going out there. It's true. It's a, it's a pick em game. I think Clemson's favored by one or two, depending on the, the casino. And that, that mean, it, it could very well come down to a, a missed kick or, or two. And they do have the advantage. So, you know, we talked about this offseason. If Clemson really wants to roll the dice, you know, just a spin of the roulette will, they can go into four down territory and, until they get to, say, the 20 yard line or 25 yard line. And again, they could go 0 for 4 in fourth downs and that could cost them the game, but they could also go 4 for 4 in those fourth downs and that could, that could win them the game. That would be, that would be my thing. I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to put Potter out there for anything uh, north of, like, say, 35 yards. What, what do you think about that? Um, I think it depends on the, the game situation. Um, is it early in the game? Is it late in the game? Uh, what's the down and distance? Uh, kind of who, who has the momentum and how he's looked, to be honest with you. But um, if I'm Dabo, I tend to take more risks than not going forward on fourth down on our side of the field just because BT Potter has been shaking. He's been shakier this year from close range. Yeah, I mean, it's hey, going forward on fourth down, it's, it's, it's got its risks, but it has its rewards. I, I'm, I think I'm playing that game. But also, like something we talk about, it's like if it's third and seven and you know you're in four-down territory, it's okay to hand the ball off for a, for a three- or four-yard gain if, if the, the defense gives you that. And then because you know you're going you, – you set up a manageable fourth down instead of chucking it down the field on a third and long or third and seven. You, you have to play that – like play that kind of uh, – have that sort of mindset. So – you know, it's playoff time of year. There's going to be some trick sleeves or <laughs> trick plays up Dabo's sleeves and also up uh, uh, Day's sleeve. This is a decided advantage, uh, at least as far as the place kicking is concerned. Uh, the other advantage that I give to Ohio State is their punter, Drew Chrisman. He's averaged nearly 44 yards a punt for his entire career. This is his third year. He's hit several over 60 yards. Um, those statistics are much better than uh, what Clemson has with, uh, with Spires. But Spires has improved over what he has last year. He gets off of He has some good games sometimes where he has some booming punts. So I care less really about Ohio State's punting because I have uh, confidence in Clemson's offense to be able to move the ball and you know, you know, be able to manage poor field position. But we, got to, we can't give Ohio State – half a field to work with, 60 yards to work with. We were going to have to pin them back deep when we punt. Agreed. And let me ask you, do you think Etienne's back on field goal? Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, kickoff covered, kickoff returns? Excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah, I see no reason why you would show that in the South Carolina and Virginia game and then not do it against Ohio State. You got to put your best player out there. Yeah, I think I'm on board with it. He could, he could, he could change the game and... As good as Ngata was, uh, he's, he's the best player that, at, in that position. You get uh, Ngata the, the experience, but then you also keep ETN healthy. You throw him there the last couple games, get him some reds back there. You know he's been doing it in practice, but you've already seen it. He can be a game changer from that aspect. And Clemson has not had um, a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. And gosh, I don't know, maybe like two since CJ Spiller. Um, it might be more than that, but it hasn't been much. But ETN's the type of guy that can do it. Yeah, absolutely. He's got the strength to break through a few arm tackles and then, of course, the breakaway speed. Would love to see it 
And uh, no, I'm with you though on the, on the field position. Like, I think you have to play the field position game. I'm confident in our offense to at least be able to flip the field and, and pin them back. So I think bottom line is it, it's all comes down to how good do we feel about BT Potter if it comes down to a, to a field goal at the end of the game, really, to be honest with you. But I would say that some missed field goals early on can hurt you just as much. That's true. Uh, that's true. The, the ones that give you grays and, you know, make your heart beat 150 beats a, a minute or, or would be putting Potter out there for an end of game situation where we're down and we're relying on him to win it. Well, every once in a while throughout Dabo's tenure, you've seen a weak link uh, be exposed in, in a bowl game or in postseason play. So if it turns out that the kicking game, um, the place kicking game is the thing that seals Clemson's fate this year, I would look to some big changes going into next year. Yeah, well, it seems one of them was addressed with uh, the, the kicker that we offered a scholarship. And it's, I still I imagine he'll do field goal, uh, be a field goal kicker, place kicker, but maybe he's also a punter, which I think we're in, we're in need of that too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the big thing in 15 was, you know, coverage and, and we, devet, we devoted resources and now starters into those positions and that's been remedied. Uh, but I think there's, I think we could uh, use some upgrades in, in the leg department. Yeah. For the specialist. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, whereas last year against Alabama, that wasn't really going to be an X factor because both teams had poor <laughs> special teams play. That could be um, that could be the thing that tips the balance when you go up a team that's heavily matched with you on offensive defense. Agreed, and I mean it, it looks daunting right now to think that we can get through both both Ohio State and LSU potentially if that's who we were to face with you know, with it being disadvantaged on special teams, which I think LSU is a little bit worse than Ohio State, but but still, uh, we are the worst out of the, the four contenders here. All right, so that wraps it up for the position groups in this game. Um, evenly matched, like we said, across the board. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, let's wrap here with uh, some keys of the game. Okay, Cody, I'll start with saying that um, I think Clemson will benefit hugely by scoring early and off in this game to really force Ohio State to go one-dimensional. Um, on the offensive side of the ball and playing from behind, I think that plays more into Venable's hands and gives Clemson the momentum they need. Um, I think one area where experience can uh, help is you don't kind of have that deer in the headlights look when you walk out there for the first time, and that's something that Clemson should not have. So if they can get a couple score scores early, go up by, say, 10 to 14 points early on in the game, I think that bodes really well for them. Agreed. And I mean, I think we've been wondering all year what is being withheld from the offensive playbook. And, and maybe that's just, you know, fan, it's tailgate talk, right? Maybe that's, it's just us assuming that things are being withheld. But I, I do think there's some, some, some different things where we, we can look to break tendencies. And uh, particularly with, with a, a, a fourth receiver out there, we've done some packages. Um, I'm still, still got my eye on Ingata. I'm still looking at Braden Galloway potentially. So it'll be interesting to see what we throw out. I, I don't, you know, breaking tendencies or throwing wrinkles isn't always like, it's not the same as a gimmick play, but I do look for some creativity there. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be throwing the kitchen sink in these sorts of games because essentially it, it's, it's an elimination win or go home. Yeah. So on the, on the flip side of that, how confident are you in the Tigers ability to play from behind? We haven't really seen that this year. I, I feel better. I think, I think I agree with you. Um, it, we're in a good position. If we're ahead, I, I don't feel as 
I think we would handle uh, being behind a little bit better. I think with Trevor Lawrence's arm and especially with his, you know, if, when he, when he doesn't have to think too much, when he can be a little bit more instinctive, like that's when he's at his best seemingly. And so, so I don't, you know, let's say we were down 10 points. I'm not, it's not good, but I'm not worried. Um, Of course, if we're, uh, if we're down 28 points, uh, you know, that, doesn't matter, but yeah, I, I feel good with Trevor Lawrence back there being pl- playing from behind. Not ideal, the ideal scenario. Yeah, and so I think another big key to this game is the is turnovers. Clemson is a plus fifteen turnover margin in the last eight games. I mentioned Ohio State has had a tendency to put the ball on the ground. Uh, Thirteen fumbles on the year, eight in the last five games. Um, so another thing that can really skip the tip the scales. Uh, when you have two elite teams playing, is the turnover battle. So can Clemson force, get some pressure on Justin Fields and force him into some uh, some interceptions? Um, can they get uh, one or two fumble recoveries? Um, that's a huge key to this game. I think on the offensive side of the ball, we've seen Trevor Lawrence settle down, ended with only eight interceptions this year, none since that first quarter of the Louisville game. And after a couple of fumbles at the beginning of the year, the running backs have done a really good job protecting the ball. Yeah, I mean, maybe we get the edge there in the turnover uh, turnover category. You can't. I don't know. You can always rely on on some fumbles, but like you said, you can rely on, on potentially pressuring Fields and making him make a mistake. And then a key to the game for me, I kind of mentioned this during the defensive uh, preview. It's it's just there's got to be there's got to be some playmaker. Like I know it sounds obvious, but it's we didn't need playmakers as much in 2016. We just needed a good defense that on down or down would suffocate you. But in 2018, we did need playmakers. So I need, I need to see some, some tackles for loss from Simmons, uh, from Skalski, uh, some blindside corner blitzes, which I fully expect to see that. Um, and, and if, if we don't see, uh, if we don't see those guys getting home, uh, when, when, when their number's called, uh, Ohio state will make you pay. And that could be the difference in the game. Yeah, I think Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons on the defensive side of the ball, you know, period. He's um, How he plays in this game is going to have a huge effect on the outcome. Um, I think the, uh, the sum of the parts is, uh, is greater than the whole in this case for Clemson's defense. Um, some weaknesses, yes, across the defensive line. Uh, a few busts in the secondary this year, but... Um, you know, I really think that if we can just if we can limit the run game and come up with some big plays, I totally agree with you. And Venables will gear up to stop the run as long as the secondary plays well. That we have a good opportunity in this game. It's going to be a bend but don't break type of game. But I think overall that as the secondary plays as well or even better as they have all year, uh, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, key for me is Trevor Lawrence's legs. I, I, I fully expect him to be. I think just by necessity, especially if you're doing zone reads, you're trying to get Chase Young out of the picture. I expect to see him moving and, and running. And you know, it, there's a risk of injury, but hey, it's the playoffs, so you gotta. He's been very good. He's fast. He's he's gotten better. He seems to see things, and his his vision's gotten much better year over year. So, that to me, I, you know, I expect. I don't. I don't say I need to see him with 50 yards rushing, but. Uh, I do. I need to see him make a couple of plays. I think in order to extend drives, right? And that's how you, on the offensive side of the ball, that's how you balance the fact that if Ohio State is able to bottle up ETN in the run game, where you can still use Trevor Lawrence's game uh, or legs to get big chunk plays, and likewise, just because ETN isn't averaging eight yards a carry, you know, doesn't mean you you can't still get passes to him out of the background. 
Um, and you know, his, I think his pass blocking in this game is going to be huge. We really need him to do well there. And as long, as long as those things happen and we give Trevor Lawrence some time, we just need Higgins and or Ross to dominate. And I think slipping a guy in there like Amari Rogers, getting some plays for him and, you know, Galloway could be the wild card. We'll see. Um, so I think ultimately those, those things will make it successful, but when it comes down to it, I think it all hinges on how the offensive line plays. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, one thing on offense would be because you want to negate that Chase Young advantage and their defensive line through and through is pretty good. Um, you know, Chase Young is the standout obviously, but I think you got to look for those short slants and who are, who's going to be on the receiving end of those, those slant passes. Well, obviously T Higgins, but DeAndre Overton, like, like one of those guys needs to have a big game and is going to have to come up with some big catches, including Amari Rogers, who you mentioned, I mean, they just got guys that, you know, that, that are taking that Hunter Renfro. Like we could really use Hunter Renfro in this game, but uh, who, who's the, who's the guy that could potentially fill that role outside of Higgins? Yeah. Overton, Amari Rogers, like those guys have got to come up big in this one. Right. So watch out for those four wide receiver sets. It's one thing to have Higgins and Ross and Rogers out there on the field at the same time, but you throw in Overton, another big body guy, you know, he's all of a sudden lined up against a safety or a linebacker. You got to like your odds there. Yeah. And I think Trevor Lawrence is the guy to get them the ball. So that's our key. And, you know, a little bit too is, is, is tiring out like short passes is what we did against Bama in 2016. You want to tire out their defensive line, particularly Chase Young, because you get up to 80, 90 plays and, you know, and, and you have all these short passes at some point your lineman gets, gets tired. And then, and then uh, the, the offense really starts moving in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I, I think those short, quick passes um, is a result of planning for pressure, which I think Elliott really needs to do in this game. He needs to have a game plan uh, ready if they are getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Not even just with our starters, but you know, what if a tackle goes down and you're having to throw a guy like Jordan McFadden in there? You need to have a plan in place for pressure no matter what causes it. Um, you can expect to see it in this game, and if it comes on heavier than you thought it might, you still need to be able to adjust to that. All right, Cody. So before we leave here, what is your score prediction for the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to go the generic route here, but uh, 35 31, that might be a familiar score for some. But I really do think it, it comes down to about, you know, three points. It's, it's got to be less than seven. And, uh, you know, the good guys pull it out. And, and, uh, and if I had to go with one narrative, I think ultimately Trevor Lawrence. He has to be great for Clemson to win, and he 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 outplays Justin Fields. Yet, but I still think Ohio State gets their bones with guys like Chase Young and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to our great players a little bit better than theirs, uh, namely T. Law. Yeah, so I'm thinking 37 to 27. I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring game with with the, uh, how good both offenses are. But I think ultimately that. Um, as good as Ohio State is on defense, that comparatively our offense is better than theirs. And I think there's a wider margin between our offense and their defense than there is between their offense and our defense. So going 37-27, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. That said, if it is a blowout and Clemson is the beneficiary of that, um, I would not be surprised. Yeah, in any scenario where there's a blowout that occurs, it seems like it would be Clemson in the winner's circle. All right, so that wraps it up for the show. Uh, we wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whichever, um, whatever you celebrate this time of year. If you're traveling to Phoenix, we wish everybody safe travels. Uh, we'll be looking for you on TV. Um, we will be in New Orleans should we make it to the national championship game, but got to get by the Buckeyes first. 
Be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you prefer to make sure our shows are pushed to your phone as soon as they become available. Um, you can reach out to us, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com or at ClemsonPodcast on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have time, give us a Christmas present. Go leave us a five-star iTunes review. So we will be back at you with a recap of the Fiesta Bowl. And until next time, and as always, go Tigers.